Good morning, church family. Well, it's wonderful to see all of you here this morning as we dive back into Mark chapter 9 on this glorious Lord's Day, as we will be looking specifically this morning at verses 14 through 29, or when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ heals a boy with an unclean spirit, which comes right on the heels, church, or directly following, church, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. Now, if you were not here last week or somehow forgot about the glorious transfiguration of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, after telling his disciples in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, that he would have to suffer and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again, and furthermore, after telling his disciples in verse 34, that if anyone wanted to come after him, that they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him, Jesus Christ then decides to give three of his disciples, as we saw in Mark chapter 9, verse 2, those three being in particular Peter and James and John, some much-needed encouragement. And he does that, church, by taking them with him up a high mountain by themselves and then by being transfigured before them or by being transformed before them. And that his clothes then became radiant and intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. Or as one commentator writes, Jesus' appearance here changed from that of an ordinary human being to that of a divine being in all his magnificent glory. And not only that, but as we also saw in verse 4, the prophet Elijah and that of Moses himself them also appeared and were talking with Jesus Christ. Elijah here likely representing the prophets of old, and Moses here likely representing that of the law of God itself, to which a cloud then, church, overshadowed them, and God then, church, said to Jesus' disciples in verse 7, that this man named Jesus, that he is my beloved son, and that they are to listen to him. And then like that, suddenly... The prophet Elijah and Moses were both gone, and only Jesus Christ then, church, was left standing before them. And Jesus Christ, he then charged them, his disciples here, as they were walking down the mountain to tell no one about this until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, which seemingly then got Peter and James and John wondering about why the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, had to suffer and ultimately be put to death. Especially since, verse 11, the scribes say that Elijah must come first. To which Jesus Christ then, he replied back to his disciples in verse 12, by initially affirming to them that Elijah does indeed come first to restore all things, but also then by asking his disciples in verse 12, for how then is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? And that although the scriptures do indeed say that Elijah must come first, which has already happened in the person of John the Baptist, verse 13, for that by no means prevents the Messiah, Jesus Christ, 
from being a suffering servant. Since the same scriptures that say Elijah must come first also say that the Messiah Jesus Christ will have to suffer and be treated with contempt since it has always, always, always been the plan of God the Father, church, to crush his son and to put him to grief so that through his wounds the children of God could be healed and become part of his eternal kingdom forever. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, for when you struggle with unbelief and doubt, and when your faith is fragile and weak, combat that temptation with the powerful weapon of all prayer. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this, Christian, for when you struggle with unbelief and doubt, and when your faith is fragile and weak, combat that temptation with the powerful weapon of all prayer. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Mark chapter 8, or excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And if you're joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then fear not, because we've got a Bible here with your name on it, located in the chairs directly in front of you this morning. So again, if you do not have or do not own a Bible at this time, then please feel free to grab and even keep one of our church Bibles as our gift to you this morning. However, the only thing we ask, if indeed you do take one, is that you read it, starting today by turning that brand new Bible of yours to page 844. And by joining us as we as a church family hear the word of God together this morning. For again, we are in Mark chapter 9 this morning, church. And we'll be looking specifically this morning at verses 14 through 29. Where the author of the gospel of Mark, John Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, And when they came to the disciples... They saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, they were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. 
Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as I was reminded this morning with all the distractions of the world hanging over our heads this morning, Father, I pray that you clear all of our, those distractions from our minds this morning. Lord, that you settle our minds and our thoughts, our eyes and our hearts onto your word this morning. And to give us eyes to be able to see your word, ears to be able to hear your word, and a heart that is able to receive, and Father, that is soft enough to continue to be changed by your word into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you help my lisping and stammering tongue this morning. It is a significant passage. And Father, I pray that there be clear clarity from my mouth this morning for your glory, Lord, and to build up these dear saints. Father, do this wonderful work, I pray. We rely on you and only you for the grace we need to be able to do it. Father, to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. Christian, each and every day, continue to seek the presence of your Lord, since we need the Lord to help us overcome the temptations that we will face. Christian, each and every day, continue to seek the presence of your Lord, since we need the Lord to help us overcome the temptations that we will face. Verses 14 through 19, let's read. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he is a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, for how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So after they, Jesus Peter, James, and John came down the mountain following the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. 
They went, as we see in verse 14, to the rest of Jesus' other disciples, who at this time had a great crowd gathered around them, and who also had that of the scribes or that of the religious teachers of the day arguing with them here as well. And thus Jesus Christ then, after this aforementioned crowd ran up to them, he then asked, as we see in verse 16, for what are you arguing about with them? Which the answer to that question did not come from one of the scribes here, church, nor from one of Jesus' own disciples here, church, but instead from someone else in the crowd here, church, who said in verse 17, Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And furthermore, verse 18, that whenever it does seize him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And thus what's going on here, church, in essence, was this. That you have a desperate father here who has a son who was possessed by a demon. A demon, church, who was causing his son to be mute and to have seizures, to foam at the mouth, grind his teeth, and to become rigid. And thus, because of that, this boy's father then decides to take his son to Jesus Christ in order for Jesus Christ here, as he has done time and time again throughout the Gospel of Mark, to cast this demon out of his boy. However, since Jesus Christ was not present at this time, since he was up on a high mountain with Peter and James and John during his aforementioned transfiguration, the boy's father then decides to take his demon-possessed son to Jesus' other disciples, who, remember, church, had indeed been given authority over the unclean spirits, Mark chapter 6, verse 7, and who had even casted out their fair share of demons previously as well, Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Nevertheless, on this occasion, as we see in verse 18, they were unable to cast this demon out, which was very likely then one of the main reasons for all the arguing that was taking place back in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, and that the scribes here, church, were very likely then questioning and interrogating Jesus' disciples here about their authority to actually cast out demons and furthermore, we're also very likely then having a field day church taunting and ridiculing Jesus' disciples here about their inability to cast this demon out as well. Nevertheless, Jesus Christ then, as we see in verse 19, he then answers them by saying, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him me. Which leads to the question then, for who exactly was Jesus Christ speaking to here when he says in verse 19, O faithless generation. And although John Mark, the author of the gospel of Mark, used the word generation in Mark chapter 8 as a way to refer to those who were not following Jesus Christ or who were against that of Jesus Christ, here, however, church, John Mark seems to be using the phrase this generation in order to refer especially or chiefly or primarily to that of Jesus' 
own disciples here, since Jesus' own disciples here who had been given the authority by Jesus Christ himself to cast out demons failed to do so here, not because they didn't have the authority to do it, but instead because of their lack of faith. And thus, as one commentator writes, for it is not too bold to presume here that during the absence of Jesus Christ, that a spirit of unbelief then and of laxity overcame Jesus' disciples. Or as Daniel Aiken writes and observes, for whenever Jesus' disciples were separated from Jesus Christ, they got themselves into trouble and experienced crisis. And thus, what a valuable lesson for us all, and that we will never advance beyond our need for Jesus Christ. And thus, if you are sitting there this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, and you are wondering at this time, for why do I, as a Christian, struggle so much with doubt? Or why do I, as a Christian, wrestle so much with unbelief? Or why do I, as a Christian, have such a hard time simply doing the things that God has called me to do? Then lovingly, let me ask you, brother Christian, sister Christian, for are you spending time consistently with your God? And that you are praying to your God and making supplications before your God and pleading for the all-sufficient grace of your God and asking your almighty God to strengthen you? Or are you instead, Christian, neglecting that of your God by spending all of your time on your phone or all of your time surfing the web or all of your time on social media or on Netflix or on Prime or on playing video games or on any other of the distractions of the world because the reality of the Christian life for it is this for as a prominent historian once noted in an attempt to summarize some of the main beliefs of the various religions of the world, for he wrote that the Greek says, man, know thyself. And the Roman says, man, control thyself. And the Confucian says, man, improve thyself. And the Buddhist says, man, destroy thyself. And the Hindu says, man, absorb thyself. And the Muslim says, man, submit thyself. Whereas Jesus Christ, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And that is because of that, brother Christian, sister Christian, that we must make it our goal then, each and every day, to seek communion with our God and to pray without ceasing to our God and to fight the urge to get lazy and to separate ourselves from God since we absolutely need our God church to help us overcome whatever deceptions and allurements that this evil world might try to throw our way. Which brings us to point number two is this. For Jesus Christ is willing to help us Christians even when our faith is fragile and weak. For Jesus Christ is willing to help us Christians even when our faith is fragile and weak. Verses 20 through 27 which reads, And they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. 
And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, And he arose. So after Jesus Christ says in verse 19, to bring the boy with the unclean spirit to me, they do indeed then, as we see in verse 20, bring the boy with the unclean spirit to Jesus Christ, in essence for Jesus Christ to do here what ultimately his disciples failed to do, that being to cast this evil spirit out of this boy. Nevertheless, when the unclean spirit sees Jesus Christ, it immediately then, verse 20, convulsed the boy to the point that it made the boy here, church, fall to the ground, roll around, and foam at the mouth. And thus Jesus Christ then, he asked the boy's father here in verse 21, for how long has this been happening to him? To which the boy's father replied to Jesus Christ by saying, from childhood, and verse 22, that it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. Informing us here, church, of a couple of things. The first being that these types of convulsions, as we see here in verse 20, that they were not some kind of brand new occurrence or phenomenon in this boy's life, but that instead they had been taking place ever since verse 21, this boy's childhood. And additionally, we also learn here, church, that this unclean spirit that was possessing this boy, that it wanted to do harm to this boy and to hurt this boy, and to inflict damage onto this boy, and to ultimately then try to destroy that of this boy, which just displays the kind of wickedness of the demon that was possessing this dear boy here. And thus because of that, this boy's father then, he says to Jesus Christ in verse 22, that if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us which then prompts Jesus Christ to respond back to the boy's father here by saying to him in verse 23, if you can, as if to be saying to the boy's father here that the issue here is not if I have the ability or if I have the power to cast this demon right out of your son, but instead the real issue here is do you believe that I can? Since verse 23, all things are possible for the one Who believes? And with that, church, and in such a beautiful moment of transparency and of honesty and of 
sincerity here, the father of this demon-possessed boy, he cries out to Jesus Christ in verse 24 by saying to him, I believe, help my unbelief. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. And that I do indeed believe, Jesus, that you can cast this evil and wicked and unclean spirit out of my son and heal him and make him well. However, Jesus, in light of all that I have seen and in light of all that me and my son have been through, my faith at this time is weak and it's imperfect and it's not strong and it is struggling with that of doubt and thus although I truly do believe Jesus that you can heal my son and cast this demon right out of him I still need you to help me overcome my unbelief at this time to which Jesus Christ then and seeing this man's true and sincere and genuine faith no matter how frail And no matter how weak it might have been, he then rebukes the unclean spirit by saying to it in verse 25, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And although the unclean spirit here cried out and convulsed the boy terribly here, it still did indeed leave him. However, it left him, church, looking like a corpse to the point that most of them said, verse 26, He is dead, to which Jesus Christ then, as we see in verse 27, he then takes the boy by the hand, lifts him up, and the boy here, church, arose. Or as Luke writes in his gospel, he was healed and was given back to his father. Nevertheless, I want to wrap up point number two this morning, church, with this. For just like the boy's father in our text today, So too is our faith, brother Christian, sister Christian, as the reformer John Calvin wrote, too small and never perfect as well. And thus in light of that, I just want to lovingly remind you all here this morning that when you do indeed begin to struggle with unbelief, or when you do indeed begin to wrestle with doubt, or when you do indeed begin to feel your faith, Christian, start to dwindle or to become just a little bit unsure, do not then, Christian, in those moments, run to the world to help you in your unbelief. Or seek other religions then, Christian, to help you with your doubt, or place your trust then, Christian, in the academic, or in the scholar, or in the PhD skeptic, in order to help you sort your fragile faith out but instead just like the humble father in our text here today go to Christian and seek after then Christian and in true desperation cry out to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ then Christian to help you in your unbelief since it is Jesus Christ the Son of God himself Christian who is the founder and perfecter of your faith the author and the finisher of your faith the one who leads you Christian and who will one day make your faith complete and thus cry out to him, Christian, to help you with your unbelief and not to that of the world. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, 
I want to begin with the non-Christian who was here first. And to share with you at this time, non-Christian, about the work and about the accomplishment of this founder and perfecter of the Christian's faith, this God-man himself named Jesus Christ, who came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins. And he did that for us, non-Christian, by initially living for us, the life that we could never live, and that he lived a life here on earth, non-Christian, that was free from any kind of sin, free from any kind of transgression, and free from any kind of offense, and thus perfectly and completely then kept and fulfilled and lived out the very law of God, non-Christian, in its entirety, all for the very children of God. However, that was not all that this Jesus Christ accomplished while he lived and he dwelt among us. And I say that because despite living a perfect and sinless and righteous life here on earth, Jesus Christ, also then non-Christian, willingly paid the price for the sins of the children of God as well. And he did that, non-Christian, by giving up his own life and by being crucified on an old rugged cross at Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned. And it was only through this perfect and sinless and spotless sacrifice of Jesus Christ that the children of God could be then eternally healed. And I say that because Jesus' perfect sacrifice on that cross at Calvary, for it appeased then, non-Christian, the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children. And thus, because the wrath of a holy God was truly satisfied toward his sinful children by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and furthermore, non-Christian, because Jesus Christ never, ever sinned, Three days later, then, non-Christian, Jesus Christ, he didn't remain dead or buried in some grave, but instead, three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from that grave, and he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day you can walk out of here this morning completely forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal and everlasting life. And to the Christian who is here this morning, Brother Christian, sister Christian, for as we close this morning, I'd like to do so in light of verses 28 and 29, which read, And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, 
Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So after Jesus Christ had casted the demon out of this boy, Jesus' disciples then, for they wanted to know church, as those who had been given authority over the unclean spirits, and who had previously casted many demons out, for why were they not able at this time to cast this demon out? To which Jesus Christ, he then responds to them in verse 29 by saying, for this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And that's insane here, church, that if you want to be able to drive out evil spirits, that are this powerful, or really any evil spirit for that matter, then you cannot do it by relying on the strength of your own might, but instead can only do it by relying on the power of God via the means of prayer. Author Roger Campbell, in his book, You Can Win, shared about a preaching mission that targeted an island off the South China coast which was made up of a group of seven Christians, including that of a 16-year-old new convert named Brother Wu. However, the preaching from the group seemed quite fruitless on the island due to the dedication of the people to a local idol. For they were convinced of its power because on the day of its festival and parade each year, the weather was always near perfect. So when is the procession this year, Brother Wu asked, uh, group of locals who had gathered to hear him preach? January 11th this year was their reply. To which the new convert said, well then I promise you that it will rain on the 11th. And at that there was an outburst of laughs from the local crowd. For that is enough, they said. For we do not want to hear any more of your preaching. But if there is rain on the 11th, then your God really is God. And like that, the ministering group was called to prayer. And sure enough, on the morning of the 11th, rain began to fall, which was then followed by downpours. And worshippers of the idol were so upset that they placed their idol on a chair and carried it outdoors, hoping that this would stop the rains. But the rains only increased once they brought the idol out, causing the carriers of the idol to stumble and fall, dropping the idol and fracturing its jaw and left arm. And thus a number of the young people turned to Jesus Christ as a result of the rain. However, the elders of the village made divination and said that the wrong day had actually been chosen. For the proper day of the procession, they said, should have actually been on the 14th. And thus once again, the group of missionaries got to praying asking for rain on the 14th. And when the 14th came, the ministering group quietly brought the matter before the Lord in prayer once again. And not a minute later, his answer came with yet another torrential downpour and massive floods as before. And with that, the islanders rejected the idol, and many came to faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
And thus, if you want to be able to stand, brother Christian, sister Christian, against the schemes of the devil and not fall into the pit of unbelief or get caught up in the snare of faithlessness or find yourself trapped in doubting castle, then we cannot afford, Christian, to just go through the religious motions or to just pretend to play church on Sunday or to only pray to our God as a means to help us fall asleep at night. But instead, we must actively and willingly and consistently, Christian, fight against this enemy that oh so desperately wants to destroy destroy us. An enemy, mind you, Christian, that is stronger than us and more crafty than us, more cunning than us, and downright more powerful than us. Which means then that in the strength of our own might and left in and of ourselves, that this enemy, Christian, will deceive and crush and trap and ultimately destroy us. Which is why then, brother Christian, sister Christian, in order to survive against this enemy and to fight back against this enemy and to overcome this wicked and deceptive and demonic enemy, we need to fight this enemy not in the strength of our own might, but instead from our knees, Christian, and with the weapon of all prayer, praying at all times and without ceasing and with every type of petition to the one and only true God, Christian, who has the power to sustain us and uphold us to guard us and to guide us, to strengthen us and empower us and to keep us from ever being destroyed by any of these demonic forces of evil. And thus, if you are sitting there this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, and you are struggling at this time to believe in the infallible truths of Scripture, or you are struggling at this time to trust in the sovereignty of your God in the midst of illness, or you are struggling at this time with your faith and that it just seems weak and frail and imperfect and to not be moving in the direction that you want it to be, then lovingly, Christian, as quickly as you can, seek after the Lord by praying to the Father, through the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and cry out to him, Christian, right here, right now, to help you reject the deceptions of the devil, to help you increase your faith in his word, and to help you overcome all your battles of unbelief, all while knowing full well that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, and not because we in and of ourselves, Christian, have the power, but because the omnipotent and all-powerful and sovereign God of the universe that we pray to, Christian, does. And thus, if any one of you here this morning is in trouble, for let him pray, and then watch and see, brother Christian, sister Christian, how your God will hear you, will strengthen you, and will give you the grace you need to keep the spirit of this wicked age from ever, ever, ever overcoming you. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body, when we are being targeted by the demonic forces of evil, that we do not flee from you, God, and try to fight that fight in the strength of our own might, but that we instead go running directly to you. Because even when our faith, Father, might be weak 
and might be imperfect and might be waning and wavering and small and unsure. For Father, we know that even in those moments that the object of our faith, that you, God, are strong and perfect and good. And thus, let us be quick then, Father, to go to you in prayer through your Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that you will hear us and not forsake us as we pray to you, Father, in accordance to your will, and that you absolutely do have the power, Father, to strengthen us in our faith, to keep us from the evil one, and to grow us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, help us, Lord, in our times of weakness to fight from our knees with the powerful weapon of all prayer, knowing that the one we pray to, you, God, has already defeated the enemy and that you will give us the grace we need to reject the devil's deceptions, to stand our ground in the Lord, and to overcome all of our doubts and unbelief. Let's pray.